Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another show where, once again, I am joined by Teddy McAllister and Thomas Robertson for a chat about a couple of different Everton topics. Tonight, we're going to be looking back on the Everton career of former reserve keeper turned number one, Joe Robles, in another Remember the Name segment. After that, we're going to be having a discussion segment surrounding the behaviour of Moise Keane this weekend. We'll give our thoughts on that before finishing off, of course, with an If You Know Your History quiz. First of all, though, Thomas and Terry, how are you doing, lads? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's great to have you back, mate. It's uh, been a long time since you come on the Monday night show, so... Yeah, I was, I was saying after John before I came on, I look, I look kind of dramatically different to how, how I did the last time I was on a video, but obviously if you're on the podcast, you can't see that, but videos, uh, yeah, I do look slightly different. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do, mate. I think by the time, like I said, I was just saying before we started, then I don't the time this is done, I'm going to have hair down here. <laughs> Unless you do the old Andre Gomez, just uh, take it all off. Uh, no, yeah, like, no, I, th- I think me and Terry, we were both saying before we got started, we? that we're not, we're not putting a pair of clippers to our own head. <laughs> not a chance. Only a professional will touch my hair, mate. Nothing, nothing special about my hair, but I don't need to make it any worse. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. <laughs> I could probably vouch for that. <laughs> but yeah, have you been keeping busy? Have you been... Watching anything last week or so? Not really. Um, I've started rewatching Line of Duty. I, I watched it when it was on, but then I've been watching that on iPlayer, which is good. Um, haven't got much else to do because my exams got cancelled because I was doing my A levels. Obviously, I don't have them anymore, so I've, I've got nothing to do basically until September. So, no, nah, I've got. I haven't been doing much. Like, I think not a lot of us have to be honest. What about you, Teddy? Yeah. Any new shows on the go? You know what? No, not not this time. Um, I sort of fell out of the habits of um, of keeping up with watching stuff. I've watched like some old things, you know, like just to pass the time, like you know, old documentaries and stuff like that. But not not exciting. Um, been listening to audio books to be honest. Um, yeah. Got an Audible account, and I usually, you know, I read a lot of books. You know, bookcase behind me. Not in that sort of like. You know, I'm going on BBC News, got to get my bookcase in the background kinds of way, but I do I do quite like reading, but I've never bothered with audiobooks until recently. But and it's just it's a completely different like, you know, feeling. It's not like it's not like a film, it's not like reading a book, it's a sort of different experience it's, kind of thing. It's in between, yeah. It's it's so it's quite interesting. So, so that's go, on, go so go on, Teddy, tell us what does fifty shades sound like on an audiobook? Uh it depends what version you get, to be honest. If you get the one with all the noises, then it's it's great. But <laughs> It was a bit awkward on a, the buses, though, before the lockdown, I've got to be honest. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you, don't want, you, don't, you don't want to be bringing your uh, little, little speakers with you on the bus these days? <laughs> no, because uh, you've got to sit on the back of the bus and play uh, play chat music out your phone, haven't you? You can't play any audio books. That's, uh, oh, no, no. That's gauss enough, is it? So that's, the, that's, the, that's where social distancing came from. You have to sit a few seats in front just to make sure you don't get deafened by the noise. Oh, definitely. Right, anyway, we'll, we'll get on with the show. We'll start with Joe Robles, so I'll start with Thomas. What springs to mind, Thomas, when you look back on Robles' career at Everton? Um, you, you never seem to cement that kind of 
number one goalkeeper. I, I get that he, he did replace Tim Howard on his way out, but I don't think the club ever really saw him as kind of the, the long-term goalkeeper. Obviously, there was that season where they couldn't decide between him and Howard, which I, I didn't think helped his progression much. Then when he finally became the goalkeeper, I think they looked to move him on straight away because I don't think he was ever going to be the kind of the headline number one goalkeeper that they were looking for. And, they, and then obviously eventually bringing in John Pickford. I'd, I just don't think Joel Roberts was kind of, he was a good goalkeeper. He was solid, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was ever the, the highest quality that the club probably wanted. Yeah, so you're suggesting that maybe it was a, a factor as well. Maybe the, obviously Machiri is always looking to raise the profile. He wanted a higher profile keeper than Robles. Definitely. I, I, I think Joel Roberts wasn't exactly a big name. I think Tim Howard definitely carried a bit of weight. Obviously, he was the US men's national team goalkeeper. But then Joel Robles, again, he was the kind of the, whenever someone mentions Joel Robles, it kind of springs to mind. He was solid, he was all right, but he was never kind of world beaten. And he, he was getting on a bit as well. I don't think he was, I think he was kind of 26, 27 when he was at Everton, I can't really remember. But he wasn't exactly a young goalkeeper when he kind of came into the team. And I think they were definitely looking for a young goalkeeper who was going to potentially go on to be world class. We haven't really seen that with Pickford yet, but I definitely think they were looking for a keeper who was, it wasn't going to stagnate, which I feel is kind of what Robles had already done. Yeah, he certainly. I think we certainly had him at probably the supposed prime of his career as well. I mean, he has done well at Real Betis, so much so that apparently Atletico Madrid are looking at him right now. I'm not sure if that raises any eyebrows with you guys. I I I can't imagine that. Maybe that'd be like you know when Chelsea signed Rob Green. I can't imagine he's going to be signing them to replace our black anytime soon. <laughs> didn't know. we um? Didn't we sign him from Atletico? He'd been on loan at Wigan, hadn't he? But isn't is yeah. Eric- Atletico, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he was. He's from Madrid, isn't he? He's a local lad from Madrid, and I think that's his team. So I think it would make sense for him to go there. So I think he's not long became the number one at Batiste. I think he was back up to somebody else there as well. I think it was Paulo Lopez, but they sold him to Roma. It was a so Robles has sort of only just emerged over there as the number one. It's a. It seems to have been a recurring situation with Robles throughout his career that he's had to start out as a backup and sort of forge his way into the first team. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I always thought with, with Robles that he he was just he was unlucky at the club to be honest because he, he never really convinced any of his managers while he was here and sadly he had a couple of them um that he was the number one you know pick. He he was brought in by Martinez but Martinez clearly favoured Howard. So the manager who bought him didn't see him as an immediate number one. Um, there was times when Howard was woefully out of form, but came straight back into the team when he shouldn't have done. When you know after injuries and stuff. I'll be honest, um, that infuriated me. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, Tim Howell was you know fantastic for Everton, but towards the end it was time for him to go. It, it was it was time to, to replace him, and we just we, we lingered too long, and you know, you know, sort of didn't do his legacy any justice on the way out because you know his performances had dipped quite a bit. It, then he obviously got um, Ronald Koeman and Ronald Koeman brought in Martin Stecklenberg and he sort of that was a weird time because there was no like nails on number one keeper. He sort of flipped between the two of them. He had spells with Stecklenberg, spells with Robles. And I just think he, he was a good enough goalkeeper to be like a Premier League goalkeeper, but we basically he wasn't good enough to be like a top you know, six goalkeeper, which is where we wanted to be. And now, you know, you can. there's another conversation to be had to say whether we've replaced him with a top six goalkeeper, you know, in Pickford, because when he was replaced, we said, like, well, he's good enough to play for us. 
but we want better. We want to get, you know, as good as, as you know, the best player we can in each position. So we went for a Pickford, who, don't forget at the time, he'd just gone down with Sunderland. He wasn't the England number one. Like everyone, the next, usually Pickford, the, when anyone mentions Pickford, the next words out of the mouth is England number one. This was well before that. He was just the, the star player in a relegated team. Um, but, he, you know, he, he'd come in for decent money and that was like, yeah, Robles, you can stay, but you're, you're back to number two again. And he must have just thought, you know what, it's, oh, time, to go yeah, it's time to go somewhere and play. I'm good enough to play. And it sounds like he, I mean, I, I mean, I can't say I've seen him for real better since he's left, but I'm glad to hear that he'd been doing well because he deserved it. He was good. He was, you know, he was certainly good enough to replace Howard when Howard was dipping at the end. I think he was definitely a better goalkeeper than Stecklenberg. And there's an argument to be said that he's not, you know, far off um, as, you know, Jordan Pickford, especially latter-day Jordan Pickford. I mean, Jordan Pickford's natural ability is, you know, light years ahead of uh, Robles, but the consistency, I wouldn't say there's much difference in them, let's be well, honest. That was the, I think I was saying going into this that I had a view that was quite controversial and that, that I think Joe Robles was a better goalkeeper for Everton than Jordan Pickford has been. And I've got stats to prove that as well, by the way, I think. Jordan Pickford has only got nine more clean sheets for Everton than Robles had, and he's played 106 more games. Yeah, I think that's the problem with Pickford. He, I think I think the whole reason he was brought in was kind of for sort for a goalkeeper for the future. And obviously, we we kind of had Robles in his prime, and he was solid. But he was just I don't know if he was getting better. And I think they kind of envisaged Pickford as he was going to get better. Obviously, people can argue whether he has been an improvement or not. But Pickford still. Not not the oldest. He was he now twenty four, twenty five. I'm not really sure. But at the end of the day, I think. yeah. But yeah, he's younger than Robles was when he was here, and that that's the thing with Robles, as you said. Um, he 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 was probably good enough to be a Premier League goalkeeper, but whether he had whether he's an ambitious goalkeeper, you know, kind of top six where the ambition's always been, I'm I'm not too sure. The question is though, is Jordan Pickford the top six quality keeper that we're looking for? He could be. He's just not showing it, but like, especially over the last season, the, the one we're currently in now. I, I, still, I still think he is better than Joe Robles in terms of ability, but just on paper, you just named the stats then, it's not by, you know, it's not showing. And that's more of an indictment on Pickford. I think Robles, it was a, definitely a, you know, a, a Premier League keeper, you know, good enough to, to finish where we were, did finish with him, you know, like, you know, 10, 11th, 10th, you know, up to eight, possibly 8th at the highest. But if you want to get any better, you need it better. And Pickford has the potential to be that, but just hasn't shown it. And, and it's, I think, when you look at Robles now, I think people can look back on him probably a little bit more favourably than when they really think about it. Like, he wasn't, you know, compared to what's come after him and what came before him, he's not been that bad. He shouldn't be remembered as, you know, like some of the keepers of, the, of, of yesteryear where you just think, Awful, like you know, before we he's no Richard Wright, he's not on that sort of calamity yeah, level. Paul Gerard, Steve Simmonson, you know, when we went through, we transitioned from Southall and then eventually got on to Howard. We had like a list of keepers who were just not good enough, apart from Nigel Martin for, a, for that short spell. He's not in that same category. We, you know, transitioned away from Howard and probably gone on to Pickford long term now. But I think Robles is, is definitely. You know, he was a half decent player, and I'm glad to see him doing well. You no, know, I, I was very pleased to see. I think he still has quite a good reception off Everton fans when the name gets thrown up on social media. And it's good to see that I think he is doing well in Spain. Obviously, you've got to be doing okay for Atletico Madrid to be 
trying to bring it in, even if it is as a number two. But so, what would you guys say the sort of endearing legacy is of Joel Robles at Everton? Sorry, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> sort of what 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 sort of uh, legacy does he sort of leave? Is it was he good enough for the team? Should should we have kept him as a number two, maybe? I'd imagine we should have kept him as a number two because we haven't really had a solid number two for a couple of years now because obviously who knows what happened with Lozo but he clearly wasn't good enough and he was shipped out to Huddersfield. Steppenberg was good for a couple of games I think when he joined as he saved those two penalties against City but I think Robles would have always been a more solid number two but maybe he wasn't happy with that and he wanted to kind of progress his own career and become a number one but I don't think any Everton fan thinks negatively of Robles at all. I think while he was here he was solid. I think people do feel he was treated quite badly by the club, kind of, as soon as Tim Howard always came back, he was kind of chucked back out of the team, which was maybe unwarranted. But then, I'm, I'm glad to see him doing well, to be fair. Um, well, whether he's doing well, you know, he, he, does, he is linked to Atletico Madrid, whether that's a registration thing or whether that's a quality thing. But I think, I think especially among seven fans, I don't think he's disliked by anyone, or many people at least. I think pl- plenty of fans have like wished him well in the year since. He, he always seems to have a good thing to say about the club, even in spite of maybe, like you say, the way he was constantly pushed back to the bench, which was I, I think it was very harsh on him. I think for me, that was that's what I always remember about Robles is that final Martinez season and how he should have been picked a lot more regularly than he was. I thought, I think, it, like you also say, I think it also undermined Howard's legacy at Everton, the fact that he continued to be a bit of a liability in that final season and kept getting picked at the expense of Robles. I think that was harsh on Robles, but also harsh on Howard. And I think it was a bit of a nail in Martinez's coffin by the end of the season, to be honest with you. Who knows how much better we could have done that season if he'd have picked Robles more consistently on a bit sooner in that season. Yeah, I think it became just much more of a, a reputation than a quality thing. I just, I don't think Martinez had it in him to bench Howard over and over again. And I, I think, I think he thought the general opinion of the fans is if Howard's available, he should be playing, whether that was quality or not. But because you know he, Howard did have a couple of really good years at Everton, but then by the end of it, he was he, he wasn't good enough, and Robles was better, but maybe not so much better that he could replace the reputation of Tim Howard. It's a good point. I think. Towards the end, I do remember Roberto Martinez having a bit of a problem with that, where he was picking big names over players who were performing better and maybe warranted the place in the team better. And I th- again, I think those kinds of issues can seal a manager's fate, and in Roberto Martinez's case, it certainly did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, just going back to what you said about his legacy, he was, he was a good, he was a good placeholder, key goalkeeper, wasn't he? No one ever saw him including the manager who bought him as the long-term placement for uh, Tim Howard and quality quality backup goalkeeper but he didn't he didn't want to be a backup goalkeeper and who can blame him I mean it, if this was like you know if it's if it's FIFA you just keep the better player as your number two when you just get on with it but in real life you want to play you want to go and have their own career but if he was still at the club and as the number two I think Jordan Pick would be under a lot more pressure than he has been under I think he's benefited a lot this season from not having any strong option as number two, and it's still a position the club I think should uh, be looking to address as actual proper competition for goalkeepers, because you know Jonas Lesler was meant to be that, but whatever's gone on there doesn't seem to be the case, does it? Mm. 
No, certainly not. And I think it's one of them, like you say, I think if, if we had a keeper of Joel's calibre on the bench, Pickford would be a lot more concerned. I do worry often about Jordan Pickford with the, especially when you look at the stats this season, the appalling save percentage that he's got is the second worst in the league. And the other one was Kepa, who Chelsea dropped. Obviously, but we can't drop him for anybody. And that, I think that only serves to massage his ego a bit, that he thinks he's untouchable or whatever. And we need a keeper of Joel's, Joel's sort of calibre to come back and sit on the bench. And I think, especially now, that plus probably only adds fuel to that fire when we sort of look back on Rob Les's career and look at him favourably, because we, we do need a decent number two goalkeeper, whoever it may be. Yeah, because, I mean, Russell did come in as a Premier League goalkeeper, to be fair to him. Like, he, he was all right with Huddersfield, obviously. Huddersfield went down as well. We seem to have a bit of a trend of signing relegated goalkeepers. But I don't I, I don't really know what happened with Lowe's. Maybe it was an attitude problem. Maybe he wanted to be number one and just wasn't given it. But we'll, we'll never really know. But I don't know if he was ever of the quality to even challenge Pickford. That's the problem. It was another goalkeeper who was just relegated. And I wouldn't even say he was a standout Huddersfield player necessarily. He was kind of just one of the Huddersfield players who wasn't as bad as the others. Because obviously they were absolutely disastrous that season. But I don't know if Loso was exactly a standout as kind of Pickford was in that Sunderland team that got relegated. So obviously looking back, we signed Joe Robles as a number two keeper back in 2013. And he was predominantly a number two keeper. If you were to bring in a number two keeper now, who would you go for? I would put us on the spot there. Like. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Terry go first. I don't. I don't want a number two goalkeeper. I'd, I'd like another number one, a new number one keeper. What drop Pickford to the bench? No. Uh, uh, well, that's not financially, you know, going to be very, you know, possible, is it? Say. If you're looking for a number one keeper, then then it's you know obviously you're going to be looking at some of the players who we've been linked with, probably every keeper in Syria. <laughs> um, to be honest, the the when when you buy second choice keepers, you buy backup keepers. You you do things like what. We did with with Lazo. You buy players who are, you can take players on who are out of contract. You take low, you know, low buyout clauses, low fees. You know, um, Robles, um, Atletico for registration. I think we did it with Carlo Nash, just an Everton fan who's willing to come in and be number two just to be at the club. I don't know Ben Foster. That's been mentioned because he's out of contract and he, you know he's got the experience. Whether he's done seat Pickford is one thing, but probably be a lot better than him. Um, than, uh, better than Lossell. Yeah, yeah, probably. But it's just whether he'd want to come up to be a number two because you know he's pro- you know moved to the other end of the country to be number two when you're number one at Watford. You know what I mean? It's it's not likely, is it's it? It's a difficult one, but I think you're always going to be looking at either very young goalkeepers or very like seasoned veterans, and that's kind of why Joel didn't fall into either of those categories at that time. And I think he was in his right mind to leave, and I think. He has made the right move for his career. Clearly, he's doing well in Spain, and he's still well remembered by Everton fans. And I think that says a lot about it, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so there you have it. Anyway, that was the the sort of legacy of Joel Robles. Thomas, Terry and I are going to be discussing in this segment the recent conduct of Moise Keane. Keane did, of course, throw a dodgy sort of party at the weekend. 
and the there was a video leaked to the press showing footage of it. The club are rightly appalled with this behaviour from Moyes Keane and are set to discipline him. The question for us to discuss now is where do we as fans stand on Moyes Keane and where do we go from here with him? Your thoughts, Thomas? Um, I'm disappointed, kind of straight off. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much fits really our business. Obviously, it's disappointing to see him do that, especially as he hasn't really been nailing down much of a place in the start eleven. Obviously, it it kind of just gives fuel to the the fire that you know soon has kind of started. Saying he he wonders if he's got attitude problems. Where this is kind of the only first example we've really seen of it. Obviously, he was late a couple of times, but to be fair, the lad's like nineteen. And he's only a couple of years older than me, so I, I don't think you can really blame him for stuff like that. And he's new to the country. But obviously, yeah, it's very I was, disappointing. Late, I was late to a fair few lectures at 19, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and what I fear is maybe I, I'm concerned that some something of an example is going to end up being made with Moise Keane, maybe by, you know, kind of the authorities or the league potentially, because he's young. I mean, he, he plays for Everton. Obviously, Jack Grealish had that slight problem, but nothing was really made of that in the end. Like, it was a stupid thing to do, but, you know, it wasn't breaking loads of laws. You know, he was kind of he was kind of just messing about. I'm just concerned that, you know, Moist Keane, he's young, he's quite an easy target for kind of authorities if they want to set an example of football players who've already been who've already been targeted throughout this whole thing really kind of unjustifiably, you know, kind of the government kind of went for them about their wages. And I'm concerned that because he's young and because he's he's kind of broken the rules in such an extreme way that he's gonna be the one that's have, has a, uh, an example made of him and maybe not other players. Well, it wouldn't be the first. I think is it what he did was not too dissimilar to what Kyle Walker did. And I thought that was very much swept under the carpet myself. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem is Kyle Walker has kind of been doing stuff like that for years, so it's kind of it's less of a story kind of for the tabloids these days. But because Moise Keane, he has had allegations of bad attitude, they've kind of taken this one and, and kind of ran with it. And because I mean, Kyle Walker's had all that problem with like I can't even remember what it was back in the day, but he's. He's never exactly been best behaved and he's getting on now. Moise Keane's definitely still a young target who's, I mean, his name does carry a bit of weight. You know, he did come from Juventus. He was playing very well for them. And I think it's just kind of a new scapegoat for the newspapers to kind of go for after they've already flogged Kyle Walker a million times. Well, that's it. I think that's the main issue of all this is obviously it's bad PR for Everton. And of course, the media, the mainstream media love to have a stick to Beatles with and we need to have our players on the best behaviour to try and avoid this kind of scenario. I mean, Terry, what was your sort of first reaction when you found out this story had come out? I mean, it's a it's a bad look, isn't it? Like he he's he's made a massive, massive mistake. It there's just there's no excuse in what like what he's done. Like he, he can't he, he's brought unnecessary negative attention to himself, unnecessary negative attention to the club. He's very naive, he's very immature to do it, um, especially when, you know, there's people like, you know, in hospitals fighting this illness, you know, and he's taking the piss like that, you know. This is the same lad who, who a couple of weeks ago, the story was out that he'd sent, you know, um, protection equipment to hospitals in Italy. So, you know, he knows how serious it is and he's, he's done something really good there, but he's let himself and the club down in this instance now. He, and also, he's he's retroactively proved, you know, almost right. All the people who said he had like an attitude problem and all that. So now that, that's gonna that's gonna stick with him, whether he had one or not, because he's given them, you know, he's he's handed it on a plate to them. You know what I mean? But there's only one way 
out of it is just to keep his head down and work hard. Now, that's, I think it will blow over. Um, at the minute, there's so few footballing stories other than jarred transfer rumours from Italy. There's him, there's so few, you know, there's so little happening that anything is going to be latched upon. And that's a, this would have still been latched upon anyway, if, you know, if a scandal with a Premier you know, League you know player. The state, you know the state of the mainstream press in this country, they love a good scandal. Yeah, yeah, but he's made it easy for them. I can't even blame the press because, you know, it's that, that's what they asked for for Christmas, you know, something like that. You know, oh, this young Premier League player, not only is he young, you know, he's he's you know he's rich and, you know, we, we've all sort of believe anyway that he's got a bit of an arrogant attitude. Well, he's been flouting the lockdown. So it's like he's made it so simple for them. And he's there's no there's no arguing with it. There's no saying it's an agenda or anything like that. He just needs to keep his head down, work hard. I don't think it's going to go any further. He'll get a big fine. He'll get an absolute bollocking by the club. And then he just needs to crack on. He, you know, he's he, he's going to have to work his way out of it when the football eventually does come back. I certainly don't think he'll be going anywhere. I don't think he'll be sold. And if he is sold, it won't be because of this. It'll be for outside footballing reasons. But. I think he just needs to, you know, show now, you know, uh, I am serious. I'm not another Balotelli. I wanna, I wanna, you know, I wanna be a success at Everton. And it's just one of those things. It's he's he has let himself and the club down. He just needs to make amends for it as soon as he can. I think the big question is. I think we always say about players, especially players of his age, like he's young. He's made a mistake. I mean, I'm not always keen on using that as an excuse, to be honest with you. But obviously, he's, he is young. It's a stupid move. What I worry about is we've had players like this in the past and we gave them more chances to learn from these kind of mistakes and they didn't. The likes of Royston Drenter and people like that have, who've come in and maybe had a bit of a party attitude and they've sort of thrown it back in our faces at it's it's important. I think we do need to give him a second chance, but how far do you sort of like give him a chance? Basically, how many more chances do we give him? Well, that's why. Sorry, Thomas, but that's that's why you pay the money for a world class manager and just let let him decide. Because if Ancelotti turns around and says, you know, I'm fine, like we'll see how we go. You know, I'm I'm willing to forget about it, move on. Then what are we, are we to argue? But you turn around and says, no, nope, not having that, you're gone. Then also, you can't argue with. This is the, one of the few times in recent years that Everton fans can actually, more or less to a man, can turn around and go, manager pretty much knows what he's doing. You're going to have to just trust his, uh, his call on it and we'll see what that is when you know football does resume. Yeah, I think that's definitely probably the best way of handling it. I'm, obviously, I'm talking about the likes, the likes of Royston Drenton and people like that in the past who've, maybe have had attitude problems and have misbehaved. And I think it's worth remembering the manager at the time was David Moyes, who always took a very hard-line stance on that, didn't he? Yeah, and I don't think we've had a manager like that for a few years, really. Because, but now, but now I was going to just kind of say what Terry was saying, really. Like, I feel more confident now in the structure we've got that he'll definitely get punished. But I think he will get given a second chance. I don't think he'll be out the door just like that. But I feel like the players think they can take the mix less kind of with a manager of Ancelotti's stature and the, the club's kind of structures it now. But I feel like if we still had a manager like Margaret Silva, 
I feel like we might still have more players who felt they could kind of take the mick and just do what they like and kind of waste the second chances. But I feel like now I have more confidence in the club that they'll deal with it. That's that's a really good point, to, to be honest, from both of you, that about Carlo Ancelotti and what, what influence he can have on this kind of behaviour and whether players do knuckle down and like sort of move on from these kinds of errors. Obviously, we'd like to say that this was a mistake on Moise Keane's behalf and hopefully he will move forward. But I think that is a good point. We've seen people taking the mickey with previous managers and hopefully Carlo Ancelotti is a well-respected enough figure that this won't happen again. Obviously, it's not the first time, though, that someone's broken lockdown. Umani Yass did it a few weeks ago. But I don't see why he'd be bothered what Ancelotti thinks because he's probably out the door anyway. So he's in no position where he needs to respect the management. He knows he's gone. I suppose that's where the difference is. It's one of the trade-offs, I think, of if you want a young squad, which which we do, that's very much our MO at the minute to be buying nothing but young players and you know building a team. Is that the trade-off for that? Is they're gonna they're gonna make naive mistakes? Um, it doesn't excuse the mistake. I mean, it it does in smaller cases, like being late when he was fined earlier on, and and what have you. This is obviously something beyond that. This is you know an unforgivable you know needs to be punished to the fullest extent we can mistake. But this will happen again with other players. They, you know, if we're going to have a team of players who are from the age of 18 to about 23 or 4, then we're going to, we're going to get, you know, issues with, with players going forward. But there's a there's a big trade-off because we've got, uh, we'll have a young team, but we'll have a super experienced manager to sort of counterbalance that. I think that's the thing of, with the way we are going, like you say, the modus operandi being, bringing in these young players they need to be nurtured and I think Carlo Ancelotti as a manager is certainly a great leader uh, what about the rest of the, the sort of staff in place do you think we've got the right setup like sort of everywhere across the club to sort of help these players to kick on and make sure they mature I think so yeah I think I think Marcel Brands has a bit of a history of kind of using young players so he, all of them will have experienced players like Moise Keane before. They will experience worse as well. Obviously, he's not like the prime example of a perfect player, but he's not the worst I think a lot of them have ever seen. And obviously, Ancelotti's been through, I don't know how many clubs, he will have seen plenty of this. I mean, he was the manager of PSG. Their, their whole squad is made up of players that just don't follow the rules and basically do what they like. So I think Ancelotti's definitely sorted. I think Brand definitely does have experience with younger players. So it's it's not ideal. It doesn't look great for the club, but I don't think he's the worst example of a player I think we've, we've ever seen at the club and that the, the staff has ever dealt with. And on that note, I think it's worth remembering what Marcel Brands said uh, when he signed, like, we'd look, up, we'd look after your lad and what he said to his mum and stuff at the signing. I think he, he will particularly, that was actually what I was referring to, was Marcel Brands, was, what, was he, what sort of part will he play in helping Moise Keane to move forward from this incident? Got a big part to play, hasn't he? But it's it's not about in this instance. It's not about what other people do with him. You know, you can have Brands, Ancelotti, everyone around him. It's and it's just down to Keane. He need he needs to learn some hard lessons from this. That you're in a privileged position. Like if you're a young player, you represent the club. You you can't you can't take risks like that. You can't you know try and like because he he 
he wouldn't have thought he'd been caught, but he's been very naive by filming it and what have you. He just needs to learn a lesson from it, not to be stupid next time, basically. Well, that's it. Yeah, it makes you wonder, though, like, is, is he the only one? Obviously, we've had a couple of Grealishes and Walkers as well, but th- there's probably a few more out there who just haven't been stupid enough to film themselves. Oh, definitely. I'd imagine stuff like this goes on players all the time, but obviously they've got plenty of money that can pay people to not publish things, but obviously some of them just made the stupid mistake of kind of publishing it and giving them... But he's basically he's given them everything that they need. Given them bait, hasn't he? It's just like, like they, this is on off there, haven't they? Yeah, there's not much reporting going on there. He's kind of just done it himself, you know. Like there'll be plenty of players who do stuff like this a lot of the time, and it doesn't get published because nobody finds out. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a stupid mistake. But I don't think it's the end of the world, really. I think that's the, that's the main point. I think we've got to look at before we finish here. I think it's it's an, a stupid mistake from a young lad and. He needs to desperately learn from it and move forward. But most of all, I think the point you guys both made in this show was that we've got the right staff in place to help him move forward. And hopefully this will be the last time we see this kind of incident at Everton. Certainly from the current squad anyway. Hopefully. So there you have it anyway. That's the end of the Moyes Keane debate. Podcast listeners, of course, it's time for the If You Know Your History quiz. Tonight, it's Thomas versus Terry in another Matchday Squad quiz. For those of you who haven't tuned in before, that basically entails me naming an Everton fixture from the past and our two competitors taking it in turns to reel off the members of that squad, be it a starter or a used substitute who took part in the game. First to get the wrong answer forfeits and the other is our winner who gets to choose the song that sees us out at the end of this show. So first things first, I'm going to decide who goes first. I've done the unthinkable this week and I've actually remembered a coin. So I've actually got an actual two-pence piece here. So I'll let Thomas pick heads or tails since this is his first show, on, first show back for quite a while. Thomas, uh, heads or tails, mate? Tails. It's heads. So Teddy gets to choose. Do you want to go first or second, Teddy? I'll go first, please. You're going to go first. I'm, I'm still holding out that Terry's never beat me, to be fair. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quietly confident over here like I am every time. <laughs> to be fair, I think we all forgot about the uh, the statistics with regard to Thomas's record on this quiz. He's still pretty, never been beaten. He's pretty good at this quiz. So, I think this is going to be a real good showdown. And, of course, we're going to move on to the quiz now. I'm going to reveal the fixture in question. So, if you want to cue the intense quiz music... There it is. And unfortunately, tonight's fixture is one I think we'd all like to forget and one I'm still traumatised by to this day, going all the way back. Seven years we're going back. That fixture is Everton nil, Wigan 3, FA Cup quarter-final, 9th of March 2013. There's 11 starters and three used substitutes, 14 to choose from. Terry, off you go, mate. The star man of the day is my first pick, Phil Neville. Yeah, unfortunately he wasn't thrown out for being past the sea, as someone in the stand suggested when he was performing so poorly. He was the captain for half the game, and he was that bad he got subbed at half-time. So, 
I think it was, you were right to start with the true villain of the piece, Thomas. Um, James Coleman. James Coleman played whole game. Like Baines. I'm a banker every quick break. I, I get out and I'm straight away. Coleman is a, the banker. And Leighton Baines also played the full game. Um, Stephen Pienaar. Stephen Pienaar played the full game. Leon Osmond. Leon Osmond played the full game. Nikita Jelovic. Nikita Jelovic played the full game. This is every bit the Clash of the Titans I was anticipating. <laughs> Sylvan Distan. Sylvan Distan played the full game. Well, I mentioned another thing back up um, Johnny Heitinger. Johnny Heitinger played the full game. Very uh, impressive, this. Tim Howard. Tim Howard did not play. Oh, that means Thomas's unbeaten run continues. <laughs> Thomas, you're our winner. If you want to finish off reeling off the list of players who played, we might as well have a go. Jan, so, yeah, Jan Mugen must have played. Yeah, Jan Mugen was the keeper. Of course, this was a week before his masterclass against Man City, let's not forget. <laughs> and, yeah, how many more have we got here? We've got one, two... That's bad, one, that's not, not get Tim Howard. That's an unfortunate quiz result to go out on Tim Howard. I mean, must have like found one of the only games that he was like, I think it was like we were talking about Coleman before. That was That's normally a banker, Tim, I would start in the game, yeah. but... Yeah, we've got five more, two more starters and three subs, if you want to try and get them. Tim Cale? Nope, Tim Cale had left by then. Had he? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Fellaini? Fellaini was one of the starters and got subbed. Morales? He was the other player to be substituted, so that's all the starting lineup finished off. Just the three subs. Stephen Naismith? Nope. Makes it was an unused sub. Oh, Brian Oviedo? Oviedo wasn't even on the bench. Might not have even signed by then, to be fair. No, he, he was <laughs> okay, in the season, I think. I can't well, remember. You weren't there. I'm not on the bench anyway. Um, Darren Gibson. Gibson was one of the subs. Phil Jagielka? Nope, no sign of Phil Jagielka in the whole lineup. Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley was one of the U subs. My mm. guy, Gay. Nope. Just one more U sub to think of. I feel, like, I feel like that was the time, kind of like Shane Duffy was not going to vote. Shane Duffy was on the bench, but wasn't used. Yeah, I was. I was thinking Shane Duffy, but then I don't think he would have been used. Um, oh. Apostolos and Velios? Nope, no Velios in the team at all. Um, yeah, I know, I know who I'm thinking of. Uh, Anichibi. Victor Anichibi was the final use yeah. substitute. He was the one who actually replaced Neville at half time. Oh, right. Yeah. So obviously, Moyes was going hell for leather to try and pull some kind of Istanbul against Wigan, and it clearly <laughs> didn't work. But anyway, yeah, that was the whole team of starters and used subs. The unused subs were Stephen Naismith, as you said, Shane Duffy, Thomas Sitzelsberger, and third keeper, Mason Springthorpe. 
there's a blast from the past I think we've probably all <laughs> forgotten about I forgot about Titzelsberger Der Hammer yeah, I'll never forget about Titzelsberger because it was at that other the league home game against Wigan where he hit the bar from like 40 yards <laughs> yeah. you, you won't so, be able to see this on the podcast but my chair's been broken and I've just slowly like, just like gone down throughout the whole video so right now like you won't be able to see it now but I'm a lot further down than I was before. I'm concerned the videos I just get slightly lower as the videos go on. I don't want to mention it. We're going to have to watch the start. Of the, we have to watch the start of the finish <laughs> bit and the end of the last one just to see. Like, I, I, I was like up there at the start. Just slipping down. <laughs> well, it's a good job. It's the end of the show anyway. So of course, Thomas, your unblemished record continues, and you're our winner once again. So would you like to tell us what song you want us to finish the podcast on, and tell us a little bit about the song and why you like it and whatnot? Mm. And I, I never actually think of a song before I come on here, which is unfortunate. Um, let me think. I'm just, I always do this end of just flying through my library and try and try and find something. Um, a little respect by Erasure. I don't know if I said that before. I feel like I might have. But... That's a very interesting one to finish with. I mean, I'm not going to complain of that at all. So there you have it, guys. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in on the Toffee Blues and a thanks to Thomas and Teddy for joining me. We're going to finish with a little respect by Avenger. See you later.